love the uh, quadraphonic here. Uh, you know, I usually don't get to drink much here until the end of the night. So if I'm looking for something to get me a quick buzz, that's where it's at. Oh, man, I really love uh, this guy. He's like a British uh, folk singer. Uh, he's called Beans on Toast. My go-to dish, at least for Chef Eats, would be um, our wings. I'm a wing guy. Make the best wings of your life. They're so delicious. I'd like to tell you something. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. Yes, the podcast you love to love is back again with another episode. I am your host, Old Head Ed. And, uh, and yeah, man, welcome back for those of you who've been here before. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, let me give you a, a brief breakdown. We typically have a guest sit down with, with myself and uh, we'll get to know the guests, what it is that they do. And, um, and then we'll run through the most important things in life, what they like to drink. The, the type of music they like to listen to, and most importantly, what they like to eat. Um, being that it's it, you know this podcast, one of the components is eats is food. Um, I, I I like getting involved with with people behind in the kitchen, uh, people who uh, cre are very creative with what they do. And this time, it's no different. We got uh, well, sh well. First of all, shouts to, to Barrel Monks. Shouts to Barrel Monks for allowing us to record at their fine location. Um, I should I should have written down the address. Maybe we'll get the address to you before the episode is over. And uh, or oh, yeah, the guest seems like he's very well versed with the address of this location. So so I'm I'm gonna leave it up to him when we get into that. Um, but yeah, I, I let me get to who today's guest is. Um, if you've been been to Barrel and Monks or even uh, Broski Ciders for a while, you might have experienced the food. You might have seen the truck. You might have seen the face plastered on the side of the truck. Um, if you're if you if you happen to keep uh the food network on in the background like i do when i'm at home just like for no reason just uh, i'm doing things around the house and it's just nice to hear something in the background and whether it's like the umpteenth episode of chop that i've seen or or what have you um you're probably familiar with the show diners drive-ins and dives hosted by this guy named guy fieri uh, you know for those who might be familiar um he re this this gentleman I'm gonna speak to today recently had the opportunity uh, to have guy try the food and and make it on an episode. Ed, who are you talking about? Like overall, who <laughs> I'm talking about none other than Jeffrey Eats, <laughs> Chef Jeffrey. How we doing, sir? Fantastic, my man. How are we doing today? I I'm doing well, man. Again, like I said, thank you for taking the time and, and making this happen. I know you got a busy schedule and and the grind doesn't stop. Even more so when you get to you know when you create such a product that's such in demand, which we're gonna get into. Um, but first and foremost, I'm gonna ask, um, how'd you get into cooking? Um, man, I guess uh, you know it was just going through the motions in life, doing what everyone does, right? You finish high school college not much uh of a necessarily a direction in my life or and i didn't really know what i wanted to do i just kind of you know went into accounting in college um and then i switched 
to uh, business management. Originally, I went to psychology, so I kind of hopped around major to major. But one thing I did consistently while I was switching majors was uh, being in the kitchen and kind of just trying uh, and making new foods and just found myself in there for a couple hours a day, every single day. And um, once I found that, you know, school just wasn't for me, I decided, you know, let me try culinary. Uh, I went to uh, a year at Johnson & Wales uh, okay. for their culinary um, <clears throat> course and ended up uh, just getting into this industry. Okay, okay. Um, what was, uh, after going through Johnson & Wales, what was the, uh, what was the, 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 the dish that you were kind of like, you know what, I want to try this, I want to, or I want to expound on this. Was there a, sp- a particular dish that you would like really try to master? Um, no, not really. No? Okay. Uh, I just, uh, I guess originally I got into Italian food. Okay. Um, and then went to like classical French, but, you know, I was just someone dipping my toes in the industry and just kind of, um, just kind of went with whatever came at me. Okay. And I wouldn't even say that anything is my specialty. Okay. I just, you know, make good food. I know how to treat my ingredients well, put love into it and all those components, um, have the love. And when you put it all together, it just makes sense. You gotcha. Know? Um, from after upon graduation, um, what was the first venture in actually cooking where you were, did you go straight into business for yourself or did you have a stop somewhere where you were cooking at another kitchen? Yeah, I started at a pizza time cafe in Parkland. Okay. Um, in, in high school, I was like a busboy for them. Oh, okay. And then I worked uh, like the salad station over there uh, before college. And then uh, during culinary school, I went back to Pizza Time and started my first job on the hotline. Um, mm. And, you know, at the beginning, I, I was terrible. I sucked. It was very overwhelming because it's a very fast-paced, high-volume um, uh, just industry, or yeah. at least the, the faction that I went into. Yeah. So there was like a big learning, ter- learning curve in there, and I, I got my roots in that kitchen and my uh chef and mentor nick magnano um just kind of he definitely molded me into the badass that i am today. okay okay <laughs> yeah all, all props to nick for sure for sure um that was what was what was one of the lessons the first lessons you learned there do you remember like where it's like in order if i'm gonna survive if i'm gonna make it through and and adapt to the, the fast pace um, he would always just kind of have this running joke with me where he would just set, tell me that he was always 10 steps ahead of me. Oh, okay. You know? So he would throw up his, his two hands with all fingers up and ah. kind of just like march. And <laughs> okay. you know, that would mean, okay. you know, 10 steps, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. He knew everything that was going on. And I kind of listened to his advice when I ended up taking over that kitchen. And, um, you know, part of the thing was, you know, to just – have your hands on everything. First mm. thing you do when you come in is looking in all the coolers and check your inventory. And once you do that, you just know everything that's going on. So uh, it helped me get up to get up to his speed, and that is a practice that I take with me anywhere that I go. That's a. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that point because that's something that a lot of times, like myself, casual, just like you know, a person who enjoys food and then sometimes sees, you know, sits down and watches a program, people cooking. Um, and then they talk about how they have an establishment or they've been a chef in this place for so many years. That's, that's something that us as the outsider, just a casual viewer, we don't ever take into consideration that it's not just you standing behind a, a, a stove or a griddle or whatnot. It's, you know, you making sure that there's enough of everything. Yeah. Those are called the, uh, the pars. Right. So okay. you have like a minimum amount of whatever it is on hand for the day. 
you know, you're going to a Friday, you need at least uh, 15 packages of buns or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? So a lot of forethought goes into it. And sometimes, you know, it catches you by surprise. Sometimes, like, it feels like everyone orders the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, most of the customers just don't understand or they, they've never been in the industry, so they have no frame of reference. Like, um, let's say here, there's no you know, wait for a table. It's first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. So if you want it right when you walk, like, right out the gate, you can just come right up to the truck and order food. Yeah. And in a lot of the people, it's like, you know, 15 uh, minutes go by, not even, and they're like, oh, where's my food? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things where if you're not in the industry, there's no frame of reference because there is yeah. no uh, wait time for a table. There's Correct. no um, waiter coming to your table. And then the time on top of that to – get your food. Mm-hmm. Most people, when they go out to any restaurant, are waiting 45 minutes to an hour between getting there and getting their food. Correct. Yeah, all the all the the, the nuances of between getting seated, right. uh, the, the, the wait staff, you know, uh, introducing themselves to you, and then, you know, drink, give you a couple minutes to decide all right, that right, before right. you know it, it's an hour later. Right. Yeah, which, it, I, I, that's an excellent point I'm, uh, that you bring up because I have also friends in the industry that... Um, have pop-ups and then they'll people will come up and it's something that they have to remind their customers constantly that it's like hey this is going to take a little time we don't i think people are still trying to make that connection of like like you said there there is a wait like even though this is very accessible you walk up like Mm. there's you could you could kind of uh account for that time frame that it's gonna like like if you were sitting at a restaurant so that's i'm glad you brought up that point because it's kind of like it's eye-opening to some people right absolutely and you know we have a scratch kitchen here and we do Mm. everything to order Mm-hmm. as much as we can so you know the extra time and love goes into everything yeah definitely speaking of time and love that goes into things um when did you decide to go into uh your own business and what was like what was the 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 food that you said oh i could i would like to introduce this or present this to everybody that's funny that you say that so um like i said i started at uh, pizza time and an italian joint then i went to um country club right around here for about a year then I ended up going back to pizza time that's when I took over the kitchen Mm -hmm. and all the while you know you're just not going to get the respect you deserve or the lifestyle that you want to achieve working for someone else Mm -hmm. so I've always known that I wanted to be my own boss and known that I wanted to be a restaurateur and own my own thing and the food truck was just kind of like the cheapest option the most affordable one where I can actually start my own brand Mm -hmm. so that's what got me into it. Um, but I, I bought the truck and everything without a menu or a concept in mind. Wow. Okay. I, I knew it was going to be Chef Re Eats. Yeah. I just wanted to cook what I wanted to cook. Yeah. I didn't know that it was going to be burgers, and I had never flipped a burger professionally in my life. So, <laughs> really, the burger. Talk about, talk about making it challenging for yourself. I mean, well, you, you knew how to cook, but. Well, yeah. at the end of the day, um, a, a burger is a vehicle for whatever flavors you want to present. Same as, I don't know, a sandwich or mm-hmm. a, a pasta dish, right? You can take any of these concepts that I put on a burger, and you can make it whatever that category is, right? So, it was, it was just really a vehicle to showcase the flavors that I wanted to showcase, that's uh and I'm, we'll, we'll get it i mean it's really not about me but that a lot of times when people ask me it's like oh you what's your favorite food and i'm like man i i, I like several there's a lot that i like um uh, but i you can never go wrong with a burger because that's just like the beginning of it right like that could whatever you're feeling at the moment can change and it can uh you can have a burger that kind of caters to what it is that you're feeling so mm-hmm. you're not just i mean unless you're like a picky eater and you don't like a lot of stuff on it but for those who want to experiment, you're not pretty much committed to just 
having one thing you could have you know make it a barbecue thing with onion strings and bacon or you know you, it's just the beginning like you said so. right there's a multitude of ingredients you could throw on there I myself have uh, showcased probably um, close to 50 different burgers on wow. Chef Eats since opening it you wow. know through specialty burgers and all that we have our staples but yeah. uh, every month we do a burger of the month and okay. uh, a brand new one's coming out today actually and really? that's the uh, Reuben burger okay so, nice yeah we made our, our own corned beef um, our own sauerkraut. Okay. Uh, we do like a smash patty. It's like a patty melt on like a marbled rye uh, with some Swiss cheese, a homemade Thousand Island that we uh, put our own pickles in uh, mm. to even make that dressing too. So, wow. like I said, scratch kitchen and, you know, yeah. all those layers uh, of, of homemade uh, ingredients and love. You can't go wrong when you throw them together, you know. It's true. It's true. Uh, what was the, uh, do you remember what the initial burger was? The one that you said, let me try this. And then, you know, to get uh, people's uh, opinions on it, maybe the closest to you, like, can you try this? What do you think of this? Well, um, I, what I always tell people is whatever's jumping off the page at you when you're mm -hmm. reading the menu is the right answer. Okay. You okay. know, I, I don't think anyone's experience will vary based on uh, choosing a different burger. I feel like whatever's speaking to you is going to be the answer. And I wouldn't put it on my menu if it were contrary to that. Got you. Got you. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk. Let's talk now where we're at now. Um, how did you find yourself um, involved with diners, drive-ins, and dives? Uh, so for about uh, so I write my own marketing emails. I okay. write uh, several every week, and for about a year or so, I kept uh, soliciting my followers and subscribers to write into the show. So I would. Okay put a hyperlink to open up that draft box um, to write into the show. It was already linked to the email you had to write into, and I would just ask them to write into the show. So I did that aggressively for about a year to where I had a whole bunch of write-ups, and that put me on the radar. Now, how I got on the show from there, you know, after you're on their radar, they do their own research into you. They see the kind of community you have uh, between you and your followers and your customers, and, you know, they just see – what we've been building all the while because you know as chef eats this isn't just a transaction it's like uh and i explain it and i instill it in my customer base that you know when you're satiating yourself you're actually satiating my family my mm. staff their family so it's much more than just a burger for dollars got you you know yeah. so they see that when they do their research on me for diners and drivers and dives and they see um just how everyone interacts with me online and all that and they see how genuine it is and they say you know this guy this guy is what we want on the show. Yeah. No, that's excellent. That's that. That's great. How, how was the experience? Like, you know, the moment that I'm sure that, you know, people come in, producers come in and talk to you like this is going to happen. So yeah, like, yeah. What was that experience like? It was um, it was nerve wracking. I take everything as it comes um, and I'm very comfortable being on camera because I make my own content. Um, hilarious. Hilarious, yeah, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thoroughly entertained by <laughs> Thank you. But um, it was I was definitely a little out of my element. Uh, when I was next to Guy, you know, because uh, there's a different set of rules when you're on their camera in the instance, like, you can't break the fourth wall. I can't look at the camera, which mm -hmm. I'm very used to doing. Mm -hmm. So I get yelled at a lot for doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so used to just making my own content. There's and, that learning curve again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and only he's allowed to break that fourth wall. He can look at the camera. No one else can. So I had to get used to that um, and just, you know, uh, certain things that I would instill in my mind not to do in kitchens mm -hmm. for the camera angle. You had to 
break that and kind of get out of my comfort zone, which was a challenge during the shoot. And on top of that, I'm standing next to this superstar, Guy Fieri. So that was, you know, the whole thing, you know, but thank God for editing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they they worked their magic. They sure did. They worked worked their magic, I'm sure. Um, uh, I I haven't seen the episode yet. I haven't seen it. I got to check it out. I haven't seen it yet. Um, What were the items that he looked for? That he had you prepare for him? So uh, he had the bar- the Barnyard Burger, which okay. originally was the Gangbang Burger. Okay. Which I okay. had to change the name to be more PG. Correct. So now it's the Barnyard. It has um, every animal. Uh, has uh, <laughs> bacon, fried chicken, a burger patty, cheddar cheese, and our signature bomb sauce, which okay. you can also get on our wings over here, and that's everyone's nice. favorite. Uh, so we put this big flavor bomb together between two buns, and that was the one he picked for the show. Okay. And he also picked um, our cheesecakes, um, uh, mainly the BBC or the brownie batter cheesecake. Okay. So he, he had me showcase that because he found a lot of interest in that, and in that he's seen, like, um, the thing about our cheesecakes, we make them in a mason jar. So okay. they're layered throughout, and they're you know, very aesthetically pleasing, you know, as they would say, Instagrammable, mm-hmm. all that. So he saw that, and he hadn't seen someone doing that more commercially like I was, so he wanted to showcase that and kind of give that a boost. And he's just got a lot of love for the industry, so he wants to showcase uh, these unique things and see if he can do better for the people that are really busting their ass uh, doing these jobs, you know? Well, that's great. And again, and again, that also creates a pipeline where y- you're being introduced to a whole other sect of people who has, who haven't even encountered it yet maybe people people who aren't brewery heads oh yeah and don't normally pull up but then again that'll turn into then people coming towards you and then like you said you know the, the family the the co-workers everybody is fulfilled and you walk away with something absolutely and that's excellent that's excellent um it's funny that uh the cheesecakes in the, in the mason jar and i brought this up in the podcast years ago um, you remember it is very uh, aesthetically pleasing. Like it's a nice look to see the layers. It's pretty dope. Um, you remember when KFC had those little parfait cups? I don't know if you're. Oh uh, uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm way. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not a KFC guy. Either. Yeah. See, and and neither. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had KFC, but as a kid growing up, it was like one of those things that they had. They had like a strawberry shortcake parfait, and it was. Probably the, the next thing I can think of that had like layers yeah, like sounds that. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's talk. Let's let the people know about um, the cheesecake cheesecake subscription. You got a subscription, right? You can order them, get them shipped to you. How does that work? So you can go right onto our website, chefreeats.com. Click on the tab and open up the shop page. And basically, we have four uh, cheesecakes every month. Two of them are always staples, and. Um, uh, my goal is to uh, swap two out every month. Okay. Um, so right now we have, uh, you know, the brownie batter. We have one that's called, like, the cookie cluster, which has the uh, cookie butter cheesecake, chocolate mm. chip cookie dough, Oreo crust. And then we have two others, like a birthday cake one, and then one we call unicorn poop, which is like a fruity cereal milk one. Um, nice. And you get all four of those flavors. We sell four packs. We don't have, like, variations, so you have to get one of each flavor when you order them. But, you know, we have fancy labeling for them and uh, cold shipping, and uh, you get, like, two-day to one-day shipping. Nice. Um, and I package those, and we send them out all over the nation, uh, all over the United States. So they're available right now if anyone is interested and they want to 
Just uh, go on there, check out how sexy those jars are. Mm. I feel like uh, if you don't have a sweet tooth, you're going to by the time you're done looking at them. <laughs> true indeed, true indeed. Uh, for those of you who didn't catch all that, you can either go back and listen to that part again, or you could always look, scroll down just below the uh, the image, the episode cover image, and in the description notes, you're going to have all the all the Jeffrey Eats links and whatnot. Yeah, so it's uh, Jeffrey, but with a C-H. Yes, yes, Jeffrey Eats. Jeffrey, uh, man, we got, we got a quite bit more to get into. Um, it's it's Sheffrey Eats at IG as well, right? Yeah, Sheffrey, yeah. one Every, word, everything, everything one is. word on all my handles: TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, website. Yeah, I, I implore you guys just to just to, just to peruse real quick and check out some of the videos. Sheffrey uh, uh, does go out of his way to make people laugh, <laughs> like even to the point of like a little bit of self-deprecation. I, I love it though. <laughs> I started like reflecting on that, like, wow, I, I like. Do all these like funny videos more than I actually like show the food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I cook too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my people, um, y'all stick around. We got more with Chef Eats. It is Brews Beast and Eats the podcast. We're gonna get into these brews. Brews Beast and Eats the podcast. Uh, yes, we made it to the brews segment. I still have Chef Eats uh, with me, and uh, this is this is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. Um, this is the segment of the podcast where we get to know our guest uh, beer taste. And by what we do in order to accomplish that is while they tell us maybe old beer memories, uh, what they're drinking nowadays, while we get all those questions answered, um, we also sip beers, um, get their thoughts on them, uh, what they think about them. And, but before we're, uh, I mean, before, after it's all said and done, we'll get a quick like one through four, most favorite to least favorite of the four we have in front of us. And, uh, yeah, you're not getting away without drinking beers. Hey, man, like I always say, there's nothing I love more than, uh, you know, starting a 12-hour shift with a flight of beer. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yes, that's what I, it makes all things possible. <laughs> with that being said, let's get into our first one. Uh, this one here is from uh, Fuller's. It's their London Pride. It's an outstanding amber ale, so figure out how outstanding it is i love me a good amber so i, I, I can already tell you this is probably going to be my favorite nice okay okay he's calling the shots he's calling it all right cool we'll start there and if you feel like you need to go back for more feel free i'm going to actually pour myself up a sample because i haven't had this one before well i'm not going to drink it before cheers in you definitely yes <laughs> yes there's rules to live by not a lot of rules but there's rules to live That's by right. um this one here is uh like i said an amber ale it clocks in at a 4.7 percent and it is from england Let's give this one a go, sir. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, delicious. Oh, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, I would do that all day. Yeah, uh, from fragrance to, to taste. I like, mm. I like this one. I like this one. This is exactly how I uh, envision any amber tasting. Mm. Um, nice maltiness, just like a slight bitterness uh, from the hops. This is this is well rounded and uh, something that I think any beer drinker, new or uh, old, could get into. Yeah, and that, and that I'm I'm glad you brought up that point because uh, that typically that's that's how my the whole podcasting started for me, where it's like I started getting into beers and realizing that there was more than just what you saw at your local sports bar or whatever. There was more to to discover, and uh, you know, just attempted to try a little bit of everything, um, and then and then kind of hopefully share that with people who aren't very well-versed beer drinkers or just want to try like find themselves in the same place that I did where they want to try something different. And I think you nailed it on the head where this is one of those where it's, it's not, it's not too wild. 
you know, it, 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 you could find like some, co- some commonality between this and what most people drink, you right. know, the standard the stuff. Drinkability is very high on this. So if I go to, um, most American breweries and I see they have an Amber, uh, on their tap, this, it's probably the first one I'm going to try. Nice. Nice. Earliest beer memory. Um, maybe the first time you tried a beer, the first time you enjoyed one. Do you remember that? Um, so for me, looking back, I was about six years old. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, it happens a lot more than you think. <laughs> yeah. Like people say like, yeah, I was six or seven, but go so, ahead. So I had, um, a childhood friend over, uh, I, we would just uh, have sleepovers all the time and he was over and, uh, we wanted something to drink and we were just in the pool or whatever. And my dad had this, um, little outdoor bar by the pool and there's a mini fridge in there it didn't have a lock on it because you know why would it um so my friend pulled out a Budweiser and we had no concept of what beer was we had no idea we opened one thinking it was like a soda you yeah. know and similar I, ca- packaging similar ca- yeah, yeah, yeah and I and I tried it and I thought it was absolutely disgusting and my friends drink it. He's like, I like this. And he just, like, <laughs> kept drinking it until, like, uh, we crossed paths with my mom. And she, like, started yelling, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. She just took that away from us. And I was, I didn't care about it. You know, I, I had it. I thought it was disgusting. I'm like, here, you can have it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Not knowing uh, the concept of, of drinking or what drunk was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember uh, what was the first beer, like, in your later years where you're, like, Ah, you know what? I think I'm now I'm getting the appeal of it. I think it was um, just you know being in college, going to a lot of college That'll parties. Do That'll do it. But you know, back then you just had you know a bunch of pallets of uh, PBR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we would just uh, we would just drink PBR, and then that acquired taste developed, and then you know you just you learn how to drink heavily, and a lot of them uh, <laughs> yeah. in one setting, and then you know you start to enjoy it, and then. The nostalgia kicks in with it when you have it again, or any light beer, right? Yeah. So um, I think then I started to enjoy it, and then I started from there. Um, maybe my second or third year in college, started getting into more craft beers when they were blowing up. Maybe in like 2010, gotcha. uh, when craft beer started really blowing up in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and public started caring more and more different varieties. Yeah. Then I think then we started like getting a bunch of different craft beers and, and really enjoying it. And then, you know, me and the roommates would have our own mini fridges and then we had like our beer, you know? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, it's great to hear that, uh, uh, you said, you mentioned, uh, yeah, you know, started off with, you know, PBR was a staple. Um, and then now you could still go back to it and kind of get the nostalgic feel or whatever. Cause a lot of times people, when they say, yeah, the first one I had, and then I, you know, that, that really got me drunk or gave me the hangover, they, they, they right away go to, like, I will never drink that again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that was Old English the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. In high school, Oh, you know? man. I still oh. remember uh, my oh. buddy wanted to have, like, a chugging competition with our no. buddy Spencer with a full Old English, right? And I just remember yeah. he won, and he yeah. raised up, yeah, I did it! And it just projectile vomited <laughs> old English no, all over no, the place. <laughs> no, Spencer, no. It's so, it's so carbonated. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, man. Well, and it was down here in South Florida. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, like yeah. a thirty-two ounce. Like you, you oh, chugged yeah. the thirty-two yeah, ounce. Woo! Yeah. It's like the the other night um, when we had our viewing party for the Triple D. Uh-huh. I bought champagne because I envisioned like you know, um, you know, dousing me with champagne. <laughs> In the middle of the night, not realizing how overwhelmingly busy it was, we didn't 
end up getting to it. Yeah. And then I was I told my staff, I'm like, hey, I bet you we can get uh, these other two guys that work for me to have a champagne chugging competition because I had two <laughs> bottles. I'm like, hey, winner gets $60, and we had no. them do it. And <laughs> it was like reliving that projectile vomit experience because then Caleb won, and he throws his arms, yeah. <laughs> Money well spent. <laughs> And money well earned. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shouts, shouts to Caleb, man. Yeah. For being the chug off champion. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, you want to get into this next beer? Yeah, let's I mean, you can always man. go back to the last one. Let's get into the next one. I'm just going to casually sip on that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So what do we got here? This one here is from Edmunds Oast Brewing Company. It is their Something Cold. It's an American Blonde Ale. Okay. Okay. And uh, it's at 5%. And uh, out of South Carolina, what else we got here? It's a premium blonde ale out of South Carolina. I like Edmunds old stuff. Uh, I came across this uh, this uh, can not too long ago. And, uh, and, yeah, I'm trying to keep it light because I am taking into yeah. consideration that you do have a long shift ahead of it's you. It's a hot day. <laughs> it's a hot day. Cheers to that. This is a... Yeah, uh, Right on the nose, it's it, it's it smells like what I would expect like a pale ale to taste like. Okay, but okay. it's very very mild, um, very uh, fruit forward. Mm-hmm. I don't really get uh, a lot of bitterness from it at all. This is a beer for the pool or for the beach, and this is a blonde ale. Yes, okay. sir. Yeah, yeah. This this one's. I mean, just by the look of it, it's very clean. Yeah, yeah. The you don't you get like the fruity notes uh, from the um, from the hops, and yeah. not so much the bitterness, which is nice. I used to know a lot more about beer because I used to homebrew for a short. Oh, period. did you? Okay, but Pretty I knew cool. enough uh, to where these hops taste very familiar, and I know it's um, a popular. Um, what would they say? A popular type of hop that you yeah. would use in this style of beer. Nice. Nice. Uh, what do you find yourself drinking most nowadays? Um, well, really, I only drink while I'm here and after, like, the shift, you know? And it yeah. also depends on the day. Usually, like, after tonight, I'm definitely having a couple beers. Okay. And I usually go with the Quadraphonic here. Okay. It's like a 10 11% beer. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of those, and I'm feeling good. It's like, job well done. Let's, yes. let's have a couple of these and just tie off the night, nice. you know? And uh, that's generally what I stick to. I don't drink too much at home anymore. I'm such a busy guy that, um, you know, I used to have a lot of people over. I love hosting, Mm -hmm. having parties at the house, but I'm just so busy now that we don't really get to do that too often. I have, you know, a toddler, a three-year-old at home. My wife doesn't drink. Uh, If she does, she'll have, like, you know, a Riesling or a a Moscato, and I don't drink that. So, um, and if she does drink it, she'll have, like, a half a glass so, I, I, you know, I don't like drinking alone, so I really just keep it to here where I have a beer at the end of the night with my staff. I agree. I don't like drinking alone. That's why I created this podcast. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I've done that. I've gotten home sometimes, and the idea of getting home and having a beer, it's like, oh, yeah, that, I think that would. And then I'd crack a beer open, three sips in, I'm like, I'm drinking by myself. Exactly. <laughs> it just tastes better with good company. Company, you know, yes. Right now, this is very nice. I never drink during the day unless, you know, in a situation like this or maybe I'm going to the pool on a Sunday with some yeah. friends, you know. 
then it's like, man, the beer just tastes so much better in good company. Yeah, it does. I agree. I agree. Especially this one. And this one is, like you said earlier, it's this ideal. Is for the pool. Yeah, pool, a little bit of sun outside. Oh, yeah. Uh, this works lovely. It'll kind of keep your temperature down while you're, yeah, yeah. While you're taking in it, some sun. The first one is day drinking indoors. This one's day drinking outdoors. <laughs> Look, at that. Look at that. Even better. Yes, I like that. I like that analogy. That's excellent. Um, let's get into the, well, you know what I did. Okay. So, um, barrel of monks, where can people find barrel of monks? I know you're a little more well-versed with the location sure, and whatnot. Sure. So if you can hit them with that while I get the third beer. So we're located in East Boca. Barrel of monks is at 1141 South Rogers circle, um, here in East Boca Raton, uh, 33487. Um, if you guys want to come out, they do, they specialize in Belgian ales. So, um, one of the owners is, uh, very much a purist when it comes to beer and now the head brewer here he's more into uh, experimentation and okay. he is a man he's a wizard when it comes to beer man he's like super no pun intended because one of the beers is yes the wizard uh, wit yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. right so. but he is man he's like a super genius when it comes to uh beer uh, i mean he does it like with formulas he's like on a chemist level. Got you. Yeah, um, I was gonna say break us down to a yeah, science. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Yeah. His name is Ralph. Uh, very brilliant man uh, in in the brewery. Um, but yeah, they specialize in Belgian ales. Uh, you know, they have their flagships between the single, the double, uh, and they have different names for them: the triple okay. and the quad. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a quad guy. Yeah. That's your darker beer. But you know, dark doesn't necessarily mean heavy, right? You mm-hmm. know, like a porter. Yeah. Uh, or something like a Guinness can could drink very light. You yeah. Know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> Belgians was one of the, the early ones where it was kind of like, oh, this is intriguing, you know. And and like I said, you know, coming from a, a place where most of my beer experiences was something very light, lager, uh, pilsner. Um, er, uh, I think uh, Belgian was one of the early ones where I'm like, this is interesting. And then it made me feel like I was like, I'm doing something totally different. Yeah, they have something for everyone here. They even started delving into um, IPAs in recent years, which strays from the Belgian formula. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's part of the community here in America where IPAs are the most sought out uh, variant that you would drink. And so, I still haven't figured out why. Like, I myself, I'm not an IPA yeah. guy, and I'm kind of lost on it. But, hey. I, I think, it, you know, every IPA is so different. Um, it's a different experience no matter what you crack open. So even if you, you crack one open, don't rule them all out. You know, try, try them all out. There's one uh, particular IPA that comes to mind that is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, I, I'm so sorry for this brewery to call you out, but Swamp Ape. I don't know if you've ever had that. Oh, vile. (laughs) I'm, I'm, (laughs) you bring that point up and I want to say that in my early beer journey and bumping into people that were at that point a little more well, you know, reversed and I keep using that term, but it fits. It's like, it just fits in, in, in craft beers. And they would sit there and like drink it like they were enjoying oh, the that, best thing. That was the hardest beer I've ever drank. So that's my thing. It's like I, I have this and I'm probably going to alienate a bunch of IPA drinkers. My people who listen, they know me and, <laughs> and they know I have no ill intention. But I, I think that it comes to a point where it's like they're out, they're out, 
the IPA drinker is trying to outdo the next person. We're like, look, I could drink this, even hey, though it's like the most horrible thing. Like you, you do you, man. You know, I guess it's like it's like anything. Maybe it's an acquired taste or whatever. Because yeah. nobody right out the gate opens that beer and, and loves it. And goes, it. this is the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the one. Yeah, you work your way there for <laughs> yeah. like years. <laughs> I hear you. And I, I totally agree with that. Excellent point. Uh, let's get into this third beer. This one is here. It's from the Von Hinken Brewing Company. It is their Hell's Lager. It is a lager that clocks in at a 5%, and it is brewed here in Florida. Cheers, sir. All right. Uh, on the nose, I didn't think I was going to like this, but it's a lot better than I thought it would be. Okay. It has that, um, it reminds me on the nose of, like, the triple. Like, I'm not a big fan of the triple here. Okay. Um, or just the style in general, or, like, maybe Hefeweizen. Kind of, kind of notes to it. Yeah, it got the banana appeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Got you. But this isn't too bad uh, when you taste it. It's giving me yeah, at the end. It's giving me kind of like a a wild, a wild note, like something. Yeah, like wild mm. fermentation type. And it might I might be way off, but no, it, no, it, it has, does have it the has presence. a bit of like a, a sour note to it yeah. for sure. Um, no, this this is nice. I I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Um, all these beers are have been have been great. I would recommend any of these to to anyone, even for like early beer drinkers, right? If you're getting your your feet wet, um, just trying beer. Any of these would would um, would do anyone right. Nice, excellent, cool. Um, damn, there was a question that popped into my mind as we were talking, and I was like, oh, that's the next. That's the next question I'm going to ask. And now I totally forgot what the question was. I talk a lot. So. Three beers in. <laughs> three beers in. <laughs> and then it becomes part of the challenge is like to keep up with what's going on. Um, I remember what it is. Okay, go it's on. going back and forth. <laughs> uh, beer, uh, beers used in recipes. Is that something you've uh, you've messed with? I mean, considering that you're posted up outside of a brewery is like. Yeah, absolutely. Where would you incorporate a beer? Um, it depends on the style and what I'm making, but okay. one that we consistently use, again, going back to that quadraphonic, um, uh, yeah. our caramelized onion jam we make for one of our burgers, uh. we use the quad. Any sort of um, uh, dark notes go great with a caramelized onion jam. Okay. I, I often uh, like to think that like things of those characteristics like safely go together, like you know crispy cheese or like you know kind of like a like burnt things. Yeah. Um, I used to make our caramelized onion jam with uh, black coffee. Okay. So again, one of those things that that go great with it, yeah. you know. Um, but once I started partnering with Barrel of Monks, I switched from the black coffee to the quadraphonic because it was like, you know, black coffee was like one of the specialty things. We had to go out and get it just for that. And it's like, all right, we're here at a brewery. This beer is delicious. It goes great with what we're trying to do. So let's start using that for the uh, caramelized onion jam. So we do infuse the beer to there, and that beer actually goes great with blue cheese, which also goes on that burger with that jam. And and that was gonna be the segue into um, the great thing about having a food truck um, or a kitchen at a brewery is that now you have someone with enough knowledge either behind the kitchen or at the behind the bar that could kind of tell you where to go depending on what you get to eat. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've been here long enough to know all their beers and even the specialty ones they do. If you give me a beer, I can I can make you a menu based off of that beer and, and pair it pretty perfectly just because I'm so familiar with it. Yeah. I, I don't need to, like, you know, make a bunch of variations of something and taste it alongside to see what works best. I'm familiar enough with all the styles where I can be like, 
all right, uh, if I had to make a beer dinner with these four beers, on the top of my head, I can make you a menu, and it'll pair great. Nice. Speaking of beer dinner, uh, the homie Dan out at Yeasty Brews, shouts to to Dan. Uh, That's the original home of Brews, Beats, and Eats. I usually record out of there. Um, You guys recently did a beer dinner. Yes. And uh, and when I told Dan that I was going to sit down with you, he's like, oh, man, he killed it with the menu on that. (laughs) Yeah, he he, he really heavily touted your your cooking skills and then just the way it all came together. Yeah, and, you know, those guys had great energy. I love them. They definitely match my own because I'm usually – uh, the only loud, obnoxious person in the room. <laughs> and I just love, like, Dan, just the energy he brought. He's oh, yeah. a very, uh, very friendly person. He's yes. very easy to talk to yeah. and get along with. Um, where I guess um, here they're, they're a lot more formal, you know? Gotcha. So it's gotcha. very, uh, matter of fact, in line with uh, the whole format of what they're trying to do, where I just come out there and I curse, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like saying whatever the hell I want, you know? It's kind of like, it's like an organized disruption. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're still going to get shit done, but <laughs> you're going to hear me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the good, good bad cop, bad cop kind of yeah, dynamic, there you, go. you know? <laughs> there you go. That works excellent. Yeah, we had, oh. a, we had a great time at that dinner. It was kind of like the last hurrah, because we don't, uh, I don't plan on doing another beer dinner, mm-hmm. at, at least with the, you know, how the episode was upcoming, and mm-hmm. the increase in business we were seeing, um, every day we're really busy here, to where it got to the point where we had like a pairing coming up or a dinner coming up. It was like we're barely keeping up mm. with the with the main menu. I've doubled my staff over the past few months, and we can still barely keep up. So it, it's like when it gets to that point, and then you have a beer dinner coming up. It's like oh my god, and we still got to prep all these all these courses, you know. So it does get um, a little overwhelming, and maybe once we have our bearings after this influx and. We're managing it well. Maybe we'll go back to that, um, to doing our pairings again, our dinners, because they are a lot of fun, and they give us the ability to flex that creative muscle that us chefs have, and it it brings a lot of joy to us to be able to make those things, you know? Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. My good sir, we got one more beer to get to. Let's do it. Another sip of this third one here. It's growing on me. (laughs) This fourth. And final beer. Uh, it's already w- willing to introduce itself to me. All right, here we go. So what is this guy right here? This one here is from Captain Lawrence. That was a horrible pour. Sorry, man. We, we all like a good head. <laughs> yes, you're not lying. You're not lying. <laughs> all right, we're going light again. Yes, we are. But this one here is, Cap- is from Captain Lawrence Brewing Company. It's their Orbital Tilt. With Citra, it's an American IPA. Mm-hmm. We, we, we spoke a little bit about IPAs and our lack of affinity for it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say on the nose, it reminds me of that second beer, the, the ale. Yes, Which it are, does. Yeah, on the nose, uh, the IPAs and pale ales and uh, the lighter ales, they all kind of very similar on the nose. Got you. Yeah, and this one does have a, a very similar fragrance. So the taste is something different, though. Mm-hmm. You got into it, so... I'll let you talk on it. Oh, it's an American IPA, 5.9%. This is like the highest of all, and it's brewed in New York. It's um, it's not my favorite. I thought I was going to get more citrus, but I get like just bitter. Mm, it's yeah. not, not as much flavor as it is just like I taste the alcohol and I get bitter as opposed to like 
you know, the citrus notes that should come along with that bitterness. Yeah. It's there in the back a little bit, but... But it's not as prevalent as no. just the bitter. The no, bitter I, I dominates. Would, I would take the ale over this. Got you. Mm. Yeah, this is... Okay. I'm going to start organizing these. There you go. My favorite. Okay. At least. So that gotcha. way when we address it, I'm prepared. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. All right. By the looks of it, it looks like you went London Pride first, which you you called it. That was going to be the one. Yeah, the amber. And then you had the the blonde. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm right. Blonde ale. That is the um the Edmonds Edmonds Oast. Yeah. And then you had the the Von Hinken, mm-hmm, which right. I liked a lot more than I thought I would. You were anticipated. Just going in blind, not knowing the last one, I thought that was going to be my least favorite just because of the style that it was. And then last but not least, the, the Captain Lawrence yeah, IPA. The, the Captain Lawrence, it's it's not my favorite. You know? Got you. IPAs in general aren't that great uh, for me. Um, however, even not liking IPAs myself – I would highly recommend checking out some of the ones that they do here at Barrel of Monks. Um, it, they will surprise you. Again, like I said, the Ralph, he's on a chemist level. He knows what he's doing with hops like like no other brewer in South yeah. Florida. He he knows the right balance. He's got it down to a science to where he he can present you this IPA, and I you'll write home about it. Yeah, you know, a lot of times people don't don't uh, don't uh, assimilate like somebody in a lab coat. Uh, you know, creating beer like yeah, yeah. There, there's a, there's like, but it is it it does come down to a science and there's it could get very intricate as oh, far yeah. as what they're doing you know to create what more, more what most of us just kind of crack open and enjoy right. you know, yeah you, you you would never guess the the level that goes into beer ma- uh, beer making and even when I first um, started brewing myself and this is years ago and I did it for maybe a six month. A year window. I didn't do it much, okay. but just just seeing everything that goes into it, it, it could be overwhelming mm. to the untrained eye, yeah. right? Because there's so many yeast varieties, uh, hop varieties, and what goes at what, what makes a certain beer, what kind of yeast is yeah. proper for certain beers, and mm. I don't know. I'm a chef. I throw shit together in a pot and, and taste as I go, and you yeah. can't do that with beer. No. So... Um, for the people who actually know what they're doing, uh, the numbers are important and those equations are important. Yes, there are equations when it comes to making beer, which these guys have figured out. Uh, I just treated it like soup, <laughs> like, <laughs> threw everything together, and half the time it was delicious, you yeah. know. And like, but there's no tasting in between. No, you can't. It's whatever <laughs> happens at the end, and that's when you get to know whether what you did was right or wrong. Right. And then I'm sure just being that exact also and making it also um, is a. Uh, it's something you have to do in order to recreate because you want to do it. If you're going to continue to do it, you want right. to do it exactly the same every time. Yeah, and there's always like a slight inconsistency, and some breweries are better at it than others when it comes to recreating that signature taste. Um, but there's so many breweries where you, you can't have a consistent batch every single time. Like every time they do their uh, Father Christmas, which is like their seasonal um, winter okay. beer here, yeah. it's always different. So they just name it, you know, Father Christmas 2000, whatever. Um, where their flagships are pretty consistent. There's one brewery that comes to mind, uh, which I love and hate, um, Magic Hat. Okay, yes. Number nine yeah. is the most inconsistent beer <laughs> I've ever had. And when you have a good one, it's really good. But yeah. it's like, and then when it's not, it's 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 terrible. Yeah, so. yeah. 
if if they're really good about it, they their mar- if their marketing is really good, they can kind of like parlay that into a like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. it's part of the it's part yeah, of the beer. And, and their their marketing was good. They were one of the originally bre- original breweries when I started getting into craft beer. Uh, Magic Hat uh, was one of my favorite because um, the number nine was in stores and they had the variety packs. So I got really into them and yeah. started tasting all their different kinds of beers and. They were one of the original breweries that I just kind of like uh, adhered to. Nice. My peoples, Sheffrey uh, went through the four beers. He played the game very well. He told us his earliest beer memories. The poolside at six years old, things could happen. <laughs> Keep an eye on your kids. Keep That's an right. Eye on your Put a kids. lock on your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Put a lock on your fridge. If you, if you got the outlets plugged in, if you've got the, yeah, yeah. the cabinets <laughs> under the kitchen like reinforced, like... Put a lock on the beer fridge. Um, he gave us his one through four of the four beers we tried here. Uh, we still got some more podcasts to get to. Y'all stick around. It's going to get even better. It's Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. What about the beats? The beats. Beats. The beats. The beats. Yes, sir. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. And uh, here we are in the Beats portion of the podcast. We're going to get to know Sheffrey Eats, which is still with us here. We're going to get to know his musical taste. Um, Sheffrey, uh, growing up, what was what was the music that kind of like was like soundtrack of your of your life? So um, I guess I was influenced a lot by uh, my my parents when it came to the music I got into. One of like the first bands I fell in love with was Van Halen love Van Halen. I can sing you every single song, start to finish, whatever you put on. Um, I love like Tears for Fears, like a lot of the 80s bands growing up. Um, I listened to a lot of rock and all that, ACDC, Aerosmith, and then, you know, my taste uh, evolved and uh, developed more as I uh, grew up um, through high school and college and all that. Got into more angsty music, like, you know, punk rock, or, like, I love, like, pop punk, some, like, mixed, like, pop, like, heavier, like, like, the used I love, um, Say Anything is one of those bands, they're very unique, but they're one of my favorites, and then, you know, I love, like, like, folk music, like, my favorite, um, which we were talking about before the podcast, is this British folk singer, he's called Beans on Toast, and I'm a guy who loves lyrics, Okay. Um, that's what I listen to more than the actual beat itself. And um, his lyrics are just, like, beautiful. He's just a fun-loving guy. He just sings about his, his everyday life, really, and just his perspective on life is what I find uh, really nice and just how he has, like, this, you know, free love for just humankind in general, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty cool. And um, I resonate a lot with his music and okay. just listening to his lyrics. It's like, man... Yeah, I just feel it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is there a particular song um, that really m- moves you? Yeah, there's uh, one. It's on one of his latest albums, which I can't recall the name of, but the song is called um, Not Everybody Thinks We're Doomed. Okay. And that's just, it's very uh, upbeat, and just the, the just lyrics are awesome. It's just, you know, kind of like um, a recipe of, of going through life and everything we're going through. And um, just a perspective, a positive perspective on life. You know, not everyone mm. thinks you know the world is ending. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's it's a, it's a great message. All of his songs have like great messages in it, and 
just you know uh, free love and all that. That yeah, that's 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 pretty dope when you could accomplish both things as an artist. Where you could do where you're providing a level of entertainment just because it's you know music makes you feel good just on this the just the surface level of hey there's music playing it's something kind of mm-hmm. like to to like occupy the ambient like you know pick up the ambience around you. But then at the same time when there's clever enough where they could come up with something interesting to say at the same time that that yeah that's that's always something that even draws my attention so I'm I'm willing really lo- I'm looking forward to checking out the music uh, he's great man and it just like every song is just you know it's weird cuz it's all different but he uses like primarily the same four chord progression uh for all these songs right so anyone learning the guitar could pick up the guitar and learn mm. any of his songs like willy-nilly like super quick but um it, again it's it's the lyrics for me and just the meaning behind the songs that resonate with me and i find like super cool you mentioned you mentioned in there like the recipe of a song uh it do you guys play music in the background when you're cooking and if so like what is it what is that consist of because i mean you have I'm, I'm sure you have between yourself and the staff there's a bunch of dissimilar yeah, we, tastes or we, maybe we all we all we all trade off um and sometimes, you know, it depends how busy we are. Sometimes we need to turn off the music if we just need to get through the rush. And mm-hmm. if it interferes with the communication, communication yeah. then it has to go off. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it stays on in the background. And we all have uh, different tastes, and we've influenced one another with our taste. Um, I know Lair Bear in uh, my staff, he's a drummer professionally. Okay. He, um, he drums for an Allman Brother tribute band. Okay. And he's got a gig uh, next Saturday and Sunday, and the following Saturday and Sunday. So um, he loves a lot of that uh, classic rock, and just he he knows um, like artists and uh, just facts about music that hmm. your average music lover wouldn't know. He'll 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 name drop and all this. He's he's someone where if he was into sports, he would know the um, the number on every jersey. You know, got you. So okay, he's very knowledgeable, as well as Chef Dave uh, on my staff. Is a bassist, probably one of the best bassists in South Florida. Um, he was big in the music scene uh, before getting into this profession. He's got a, a bunch of stories. He should write a book about his life. Um, but he he likes more like grungy music. You know, he likes um, I can't remember uh, the name of him. Who, who who made the South Park song? Uh, bassist is like ridiculous. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. We'll have to look that Man. up. We'll have to look that I, up. I'm not a. I don't like a lot of the music he plays, but he also likes a lot of like uh, timeless classics. Like he loves the Beatles. Who, okay. Who doesn't? You know. Um, and he likes a lot more like grungy music. So some some of his music I like. Some of it I don't. Um, where you know we have uh, two uh, Brazilian brothers working for us, and they listen to their Brazilian music and. Okay you know, different rap and all that. So we have a wide variety of music that's always playing on the truck. Nice, nice. Yeah, and then that's pretty dope, too, because then everybody gets introduced to something different, and, you you know, you never know when you might take away something from somebody else's Absolutely. musical taste. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how we, we find all these artists, right? Usually yeah. word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said you were going back to you being a big Van Halen fan. Um, you ever catch them perform? No, I okay. never have. I don't get out much. All I do is, like, work and, you know, family time. Got and you. And then, like, uh, my downtime, I actually, uh, I actually uh, game a lot. 
Okay. Well, not okay. really a lot, but you know what little free time I have. That, I, that's where your attention that. goes to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you, we all need that something to, to take us away for a little bit. Absolutely, disassociate. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not exactly. the healthiest thing. To yeah. Do, but <laughs> do, um, has there has there been a, a live show that you attended um, that you really that you really enjoyed, or what was the most recent one? Or? So. I don't know about like most recent, but a long time ago, I guess maybe when I was in eighth grade, mm-hmm. uh, I went to um, a Kiss concert with like, oh. just me and my brother. Okay, you know, so that was a really cool experience because yeah. uh, me and my brother had never gone to like just a concert with us before. Got so, you. So it was a it's a you know brotherly bonding experience. Right, right. It, yeah. So that was a cool experience. Um, and then at a young age like that, it's very impressionable. Like it's absolutely your, your experience something like that of that magnitude for the first time. And Kiss isn't a small band. Like, no, no, and they they know how to put on a show. You know, they got the pyrotechnics and the lights, and you know they know what they're doing. Definitely, definitely. That's that's excellent. Um, you have family man, so a lot of the time is taken up by that. Um, what's the, uh, you said you have a toddler. Mm-hmm. What's the song that you're like, all right, enough of this? Like, um, do you have one of those? Like, you, typically kids, they get into a zone with, with a certain thing and you. Yeah, usually it's like, you know, a Pixar movie or like, uh, okay. lately it's it's the Lorax. You know, she likes mm. a lot of the songs off of there. Um the first thing she does when we get into the car is, uh, I want to hear a song. So I'll put on whatever, and I'll give her, like, an option to, to pick. Lately, I've been showing her some Biggie Smalls, mm. <laughs> and, she, mm. and she likes it. I got her, like, a Biggie Smalls I got to gotta, gotta applaud that. I gotta, definitely got to applaud that, yes. I show her all, all types of music. She loves um, uh, she loves Jack Johnson. Okay. Um, she loves Slightly Stupid. Um, nice, nice. And, and different things like that. And uh, then, you know, the wife shows her, you know, she loves Taylor Swift. Okay. Uh, Demi Lovato and like things like that. So my daughter's pretty well rounded, and she loves the Beatles. Per- really? Absolutely Perfect. loves Perfect. the Beatles. Yeah, that, I, I I applaud the, uh, the the being able to be well balanced. Uh, people know me. It's like I'm I'm very hip hop forward, um, and then there's times where that like my hip hop uh, affinity will kind of like keep me away from certain styles or whatever. Right. And it's like oh, I ain't gonna listen to this. Yeah. yeah but so- sometimes we go through. Um, uh, our phases, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. But I, I always applaud people who are capable of enjoying and listening to everything and enjoying it. You yeah, know, yeah, that's that's, that's it's, what it's I'm trying to instill in my daughter. And she, Perfect. she is pretty well rounded to where we don't get uh, stuck in the rut of um, listening to Encanto on repeat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I always show her something new, and at the beginning she's always like, "I don't like this." Well, just give it a chance, and then she'll <laughs> yeah. end up loving it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah your, your dad knows a thing or two. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just give it a minute. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Has uh, has there ever been a moment where uh, you're listening to mu- or you're listening to music and enjoying music, and maybe the staff or like they, you catch them off guard, where it's like, "Oh, you actually like this," or um. It's sometimes it's more of like the or like a guilty pleasure maybe where you're no I don't know about a guilty pleasure maybe, maybe more instances where it's like dude what the fuck are you listening to turn this shit off <laughs> yeah <right>? okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess a lot of the um, a lot of the Brazilian music maybe they listen to it just I don't know it, it varies you know because sometimes you're listening to more of like a playlist that auto generates yeah. so like a song will come on and we're like what the fuck are we listening to who put this in there i don't know man it's just a playlist <laughs> <laughs> oh damn that's that's excellent um does barrel monks do anything as far as uh music 
Um, they do do live music okay. every Wednesday. They have this guy uh, come in with um, his electric guitar, and he okay. comes and does like uh, some covers every nice. Wednesday. Um, and I think maybe one Friday a month. I don't know if they've done it in a while, but they would have a live band here okay. come out and perform, nice. put out some tents in the parking lot. So during our business hours when the tap room's open, None of the places around us are open. So mm. we generally have, like, free reign over the parking lot. Gotcha. And, like, we've done, like, block parties, whether or not yeah. we're supposed to or not. But this is an industrial park in here yeah. to where it's all, like, office buildings and distribution centers. Correct. So during our operational hours is outside of all the businesses around here, except there's, like, a jujitsu jiu place next door, and they're okay. open all the time. But we can do a lot in this parking lot to expand um, – uh, our limitations. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, that that's great to hear. My people, you you got to know Sheffrey's musical taste. We we've got to know <laughs> that Encanto is something that <laughs> that becomes a, a constant on the radio or for, on the. For on the, the record, I love Encanto and the music. Okay, I, I think uh, Emmanuel is is a brilliant um, creator, and like like I said, I listen to a lot of lyrics. So yeah. just what he creates and all the variety of music that, that he writes. I think he's a, I think he's a lyrical genius, you know? Mm. So I, I appreciate his work. And I, I like, I like, you know, don't talk about Bruno. That's, that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, man. You can't go, like you said, with something upbeat, you know, they kind of get, you know, get the pace going a little bit. You could, you know, even if it's not, the most substance-filled music, it does provide a, an energy. It does provide some Absolutely. type of a, of, of a feel. To Absolutely. It's all like on how you're feeling in the day. A lot of times it, it's reggae for me because, oh, okay. you know, I'll, I'll light it up before work. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, smooth sailing. <laughs> a little, little mellow action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> which which kind of like leans towards the slightly stupid Absolutely. Where it, it has that that feel, that vibe. Yeah, yeah, especially before the rush happens, you know. It's, you know, you try to calm down a little bit before mm. it gets super hectic. And, yeah. and lately the weekends here have been insane. I'm surprised I didn't get a call last night with how busy they were. Really? You know, I, was, I told them, like, hey, you know, if it gets, like, real crazy, I live 25 minutes away. I could, I'll hop right in the car. I'll be over here. Yeah. Just, you just let me and know. Did he call but, you? Yeah, if I'm Look not getting them. a call, everything's great. Look you know? at the staff handling oh, things. Dude, they're, they're all superstars. I love all my guys. That's excellent, yeah. man. That's it's always. Um, that's I imagine that's a very comforting thing that it's. It oh gives yeah. You that uh, it's hard to achieve in a small business. Yeah. Good, good help is hard to find, but if you find them and you take good care of them, they, they stick around and you make them your first priority. And I think that goes a long yeah. way. There you go. Maybe take them all to a concert at some point. Yeah. Like, well, right, then we have think, to close down. You know? Oh, but yeah, no, we can't have that. Yeah, we can't it, have it, that. It's hard for uh, all of us to chill. But sometimes, you know, for a holiday, mm -hmm. um, I think was it Memorial Day or President's Day, whatever day we were closed here was a Monday. I said, hey, you know, we don't get the opportunity to all hang out. Yeah. Um, we're closed this Monday. You guys want to come over? I'll order sushi for everyone, nice. and we'll just chill and have some beers and whatnot. And and that's what we did. So, you know, we bond a lot more than just working. You know, we nice. have a we have a great uh working climate here. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you brought up sushi cuz <laughs> the next segment we're going to get into is the food segment, the eat segment. Uh y'all stick around. Got Chefry Eats. We got one more segment to go. It's Bruce Beats and Eats the podcast. Bruce Beats and Easter podcast. And like I promised you in the last segment, this is the Eats segment. 
this is where we get to know our guests, food taste, a chef, a chef itself. So this is going to be interesting. Um, usually I like to start off with, with uh, you know, we, we, we delved a little bit into the menu, uh, what people can find when they pull up to Barrel of Monks and, and enjoy um, or get to look at the Chef Free Eats menu. Um, what did you grow up eating? Man, um, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, my mom would make things like uh, pizza dias and stuff like that. You oh, know? okay, she, yeah. okay. Um, you know, I guess like lasagna she made a lot. I remember a lot of meatloaf. Um, you know, she she was a stay-at-home mom for a big chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went through a lot of that, you know, grilled cheeses and all that, like any other American kid would grow up with. Yeah. Try get me into hot dogs. I'm not a fan no? no, no. Okay, I hate hot dogs. Not Glizzy Gang at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Are you? Uh, is uh, is that just uh, pertain to hot dogs, or is is there like, do you enjoy like a bratwurst or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love a good yeah. sausage. You know, I always sleep better with a good sausage. In me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> no, there you go. That's what. Bring that back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, all right, so there is just something about the hot dog that is just a, yeah. A, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that that fake smoky flavor. Got you. Just, yeah. I don't know. It's just not for me. <laughs> the artificialness of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You won't find any hot dogs on the Chef for Eats menu. No, we have people that ask too. I'm like, and it's at the point where like some people ask like every time they come, it's like, did you look at the menu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna walk up and ask. You just yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. you figured this time things might be different. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I. So this is the point of this, this one lady, she they used to come like every Sunday. I haven't seen them in a while. It's like, do you have hot dogs? I'm like, let me just make myself clear. We will never have hot dogs. Have dog, dog. Ever. Yes. <laughs> that way we avoid this yeah, yeah. awkward exchange next time. Yep. We just don't do hot dogs. <laughs> do you remember um, what was the, the first thing you prepared for yourself? Like as even as a kid in your youth, dude, was there anything that you like you try you know, experimented and like oh this I'm not experiment, but you made yourself something you know, like, oh this is actually pretty good. I feel like, you know, my love for food started uh, later in life. Okay. But, like the first thing I was probably able to make by myself was probably lasagna wow yeah that's no that's no easy feat man yeah either that or mac and cheese but i remember my mom making the lasagna and i uh, i would just watch her and you you know it seemed pretty straightforward yeah where i was able to you know do the layers by myself Mm. just repeat the process nice you know so that that was probably the first thing i ever made okay yeah not bad um now moving forward to when you know you decided to get into the culinary school uh, what, were, what were the dishes that, that you found, like, most intriguing? Hmm. I don't know about, uh, I don't know, you know, different things. If I didn't know how to make it or I've never made it before, it was intriguing. Okay. And I okay. would go ahead and make it, and I was like, okay, did that. Now I can, you know, do whatever was new was intriguing. Yeah. Or, you know, there's, uh, like, I, like, making pasta was always something Actually cool. making it, like, mm-hmm. from scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, you know, uh, doing it on the table, you make the well with the flour, you crack uh-huh. the eggs in it with the water, and mix it with a fork, and knead the dough, and do all that, and then I would get, like, the pasta machine. I started doing that in college. Okay. And, um... Oh, you... Yeah. Wait, so the roommates wants to love you? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. You know, I didn't... <laughs> you made I, a mess. I wasn't always... No, no, I was at the, one of the most clean ones oh, okay, in, in okay. the apartment. Um, cause we had parties there like every day. So okay. we needed to upkeep the kitchen and all that. Gotcha. But, um, probably making pasta was something I really enjoyed doing raviolis and all that. And, okay. um, 
That was always fun to do. Nice. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, on, even scratch pasta on a college uh, budget is, is doable. You know, it's more work, but, but it's it's still cheap to make. Got you. Uh, any particular, your pot when, when dealing with pastas, are you more of an Alfredo or are you more of a red sauce? Um, probably a red sauce. Red sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It depends on what I'm making too, you know? Um, I think the other day I, I did some like lobster ravioli at home okay. and then I made like an Alfredo for that, but it was like a lemon Alfredo and I found mm. some like crawfish tails that like I added in there and, um, you know, put a little saffron in the sauce too. So yeah. more non-traditional when it comes like traditional, I'm not an Alfredo guy. Got you. Yeah. See, I'm not an Alfredo guy either. And now I, I didn't even know like a lemon Alfredo was a thing. Yeah. My thing is like the Alfredo, it's just like the the over creaminess of it, yeah. it, it kind of deters me. I've had people make Alfredo before homemade stuff where I was like, oh, I could enjoy this because it's just not soaked right. in the in the, in the the sauce. And see, that's where the lemon comes in handy because, you know, the acid cuts that fattiness, Perfect. you know, and it's it's a lot more uh, relieving than just eating that that heavy, like, chicken Alfredo. Like, what is that? That's, yeah. Oh, and then, like, what, you put Alfredo on a chicken, put cheese, and then you bake it, and yeah. the chicken's fried. <laughs> so it's yeah. like... And some people like are diehard. They Turns into a gummy bear. Love that. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. It's too much. I'm not a big fan of like breaded fried foods. Okay. The only fried food I really love is chicken wings. Yeah, absolutely. Let's love them. let's talk chicken wings. My favorite. The what what would uh what would be the sauce that you apply to your wing? I love the Thai chili we have here. Okay. Or maybe like um I mix like honey, hot sauce, and some minced garlic in there. We okay. don't serve that here anymore, but um. Uh, the next best would be the Thai chili. The Thai chili. And then uh, on top of that, actually, man, we could talk about wings all day. I was g- <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take our chicken wings. I like mine fried hard. Yes, um, agree. And then I'll toss them in the Thai chili. And actually, uh, for my own wings, we call them lazy wings. Uh, you put blue cheese crumbles tossed in with the sauce and the wings. So you get the blue cheese bite with every wing without the dipping. And then you could do it with ranch on top of that if you want, you know. But, yeah, lazy wings, they're awesome. Really yeah. nice, nice. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the, the crispy. I like, I like the crisp wing. Absolutely. Uh, flats or, 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 or drums. I can go either way. Either way. You know, it may be, um, if they're not fried hard, then I go flats. But as long as they're well done, I'll take both of them. Key. Yes, yeah. That's key. But my, my takeaway a lot of times is I'll go to places and order wings, and I, at some places they try to like. I get it that they're trying to do like the whole hey value like we're charging you this much so we're gonna give you a nice size wing, but I'm a little skeptical because of the like, did you cook these all the way through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got to tell them like, hey, drop these in the fryer for 20 minutes. Gotcha. You know, and okay. I'll, I'll, I'm picky about wings, but I'm not one to really say anything at a restaurant because yeah. I work in the shit too. So yeah, yeah. I get yeah. it, but like, fry my wings for 20 minutes. Otherwise, like, I'm going to send them back. And that's going to piss off you, and it's going to piss off your kitchen. So please don't let it. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, like, a fair warning, you know? Yeah. Like, please fry my wings. Right I know now. what I like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that way we could avoid the whole. Yeah, everything else I'm flexible on. But if if the wings are, like, you know, juicy like that, I'm not I'm not a big fan. I need them nice and crispy. Almost like crackers. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, because that way you get the crisp outside, and then you got the tenderness of the of the the meat inside. Yeah, actually, the the best way to make a ring uh, a wing is uh, to pan fry it. Uh, not okay. The deep fryer is great and all, but w- when you have like a, a larger skillet with the oil in it, 
just that contact with the metal bottom while it fries really? gives it an extra nice crispiness that you won't get at uh, a restaurant, right? Yeah, okay. And, and something I used to do at um, Pizza Time when I worked there, every Thursday we would change the fryers. So when I was wrapping up Thursday night, I would fry myself some wings to take home, and then I would pull them out of the fryer, and I would toss them in sugar. Huh. And I would fry them again for like because the car you create a caramelization yeah, with the sugar just for like five seconds enough to just melt that sugar on there mm-hmm. and then pull them out and then that that sugar would harden and give you like another crispy bite on it. Wow, best wings of all time, but it ruins the fryer because oh. the melted sugar. So I would only do it on nights. There's casualties. The fryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the baskets have the sugar on it. You yeah, know, yeah. ruins the fryer. But that was like my my hack gotcha. uh, to. For my own personal batch. Got you. You you mentioned hot dogs being that like yeah, I don't do that. Is there anything else that you're like? Hey, if I never have this again, I'm good. Like anything licorice. That's a strong one. Yeah, that's a strong one. Anything licorice, right? I don't care for chocolate either. Okay. Yeah, I, I, like I'll eat it. I just don't. We like have a lot more in common there. I mean, the same <laughs> thing. It's like I don't I don't have that fascination with chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll enjoy a piece here and there, but it's not something where it's like people are like I have to have. Yeah, chocolate. yeah. sweets in general, I don't like. Except okay. for uh, ice cream. Love ice cream. Okay. Uh, don't put a bunch of mixins in there. I just want ice cream. I, I don't want... And, and people that put gummy bears in ice cream, there's a special place in hell for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been reserved. It's not, you're not supposed to do that. No, you're not. Uh-huh. And the person who invented them, <laughs> you also yeah, have yeah, a place. Yeah. I think... I think um, uh, yeah, there's a special place for you. <laughs> Are you uh, vanilla or chocolate? Um, you know, uh, ice cream, I can do the chocolate because you got the, the cream with it to, to cut okay. that, you know, uh, yeah. chocolatiness. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I would probably go vanilla ice cream. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm vanilla gang, too, I think. Uh, but, see, for different reasons. I'm vanilla gang because it's like... You know, people are like, oh, that's so vanilla, and it seems like it's a bad term, but it's like, oh, that's just the start of it. Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. it goes back to our burger conversation. I'm like, that's yeah. just the beginning of it. Exactly. Well, every every ice cream has vanilla in it, yeah. whatever you're going to make. Exactly. I, yeah. I make my own at home. I have, like, this uh, Ninja Creamy, which, like, okay. it's like a total cheat to making ice cream. You so you don't have to, like, pack ice and salt around yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, You don't have to churn it while it freezes. You yeah. can just pour the mixture in there freeze it, and then this thing does that part for you because okay. it breaks up the ice crystals really fine. Nice. And, um, yeah, that thing's awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Not a big fan of sweets. How did you settle on cheesecakes? Um, it was during the pandemic where uh, the supply chain was a little out of whack and uh, prices were fluctuating, and I actually took burgers off my menu. Mm, wow. They were, they were like $7 a pound. I would have to charge people yeah. like $25 for a cheeseburger. Yeah, which wasn't that's something that, not, that's yeah right and it was slower so i didn't really want to like buy this expensive product to have it go bad um so i started doing like a daily uh changing menu and i'd never really done consistently desserts on the truck but uh the cheesecakes ended up being one where my wife brought home um you know everyone was doing things with like mason jars during this like shutdown and there was this one uh woman i think she has a food truck now where she does these cheesecakes in a jar but hers are they were very simple they were like red velvet uh vanilla and it was like the eight ounce jars that i use but it was uh they were only like halfway full you know crust on the bottom one flavored cheesecake 
like a, a little thing of whipped cream. It wasn't even like all the way full, and I was like, yeah. man, I can do this. Yeah, like better you and know? make the most of the space. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I fill those things to the brim to where if you're not careful, they'll explode while you cook them. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh. That's ha- that happened to me the other day. I was making the birthday cake one, and uh, I was grabbing it out of the hot water with the tongs and slipped, and when it hit the bottom of the, it exploded in my face. A no. boiling hot cheesecake no. like on my arm. You can still see a little bit of the oh, yeah. here. Wow. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what what Jeffrey what puts himself through, yeah, yeah. just to provide the people just with the good guys. So, <laughs> so again, just go on chefreads.com, grab yourself a cheesecake four pack, and know that literal blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> go into them. <laughs> not, not into it. Yeah, yeah, not, not inside of into it, them. Yeah. No, like on the outside of the jar a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. There might be there might be some remnants, but it's, it's definitely fine. Yeah, but I, I started experimenting with the jars after she brought home uh, this product, and then I started coming up with flavors and layering multiple components in each jar and filling yeah. the jars, and I have like 50-something flavors what? like on, on paper. Wow. but. You know, obviously, I don't have time to make all the flavors all the yeah. time, so I just manage four different flavors throughout the month. And then you got the two rotating, like you said, and then the two right, right. ones. So that's uh, that's just what I started doing, and they ended up being like really popular. And then I was like, okay, let's let's do more. And I started, you know, the the first ones I did was like a, a lemon um, blueberry lemonade. Okay, and it, it looked like 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 shit. Like the <laughs> blueberry was seeping into. It, oh it was yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but then the it more wasn't I fractionating. did it, it wasn't yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The, the more I did it, the better I got at it. And then people just like found them to be awesome. And then they started taking on a life of their own. And then when I brought back my staple menu, I integrated the cheesecakes into them. And uh, they, man, like I said, they took a life of their own. I would do new flavors. And uh, every time I would um, start advertising them, I can move like 60 jars in a day depending wow. on the flavor you yeah, know, and yeah. how hard I market them yeah. to where you know I stopped marketing them as hard because I couldn't even keep up <laughs> with how many I was making. And I was like, yeah. I have all this other stuff to do. And it was only like me and two other guys back then. So now we wow. have like seven people on staff. Okay. Okay. You know? What's the uh, – so who who's the person who you rely on when it's like, hey, try this. What do you think of this? Like who's your go-to? You Is know, it the missus? Is it – um. You know, I, I don't try anything before I put it on the menu. Oh, no? No, not at all. Wow. I know I'm familiar with uh, flavor profiles enough to where I'm comfortable putting them together and putting it on the menu, knowing it's going to be good. And, yeah. like, when I make it and I make a little video, like, hey, new thing on special, you know, then I try it during the video. <laughs> so your like, experience is captured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, your re- reaction. Like, yeah, it's good, you know? <laughs> Even our burger of the month, you know? Uh, yeah. Whatever it is. I don't – I just know conceptually – and this the flavor, would make sense. Yeah, the yeah. affinities between the flavors I know work together. It's wow. like, like I said with the beer pairings, I can conceptually write a menu for these, yeah. and it will be sound, you know, because right. I'm just familiar with the flavors and I'm comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah. Food truck, uh, you said you've been uh, in partnership with Barrel of Monks for four years now. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how was that, like, introduction, like, so with you and them? For, uh, I started my business in 2016, and they were one of the first people I came to starting to get gigs, and I was their regular Tuesday truck for, like, the first three years. And in that time, uh, you know, just showing my commitment and reliability, and, like, I never called out or anything. I always showed up, and they started um, asking me to do more things because I would do specials here. Mm. So slowly they saw I'm not just a food truck guy. I'm actually, like, just a chef with a mobile kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um 
and they start. We started doing pairings together. Um, then I found out about the beer dinners they were doing. I'm like, hey, I want to do one of those. Mm-hmm. And then I knocked it out of the park with that. Um, and then they saw like my capabilities. And after about three years of this um, uh, partnership I had with them, they said, hey, do you want to be like the only truck here? I said, wow. yeah, absolutely. Wow. But these are like the few things that I need in order to make that happen. Um, and so now I'm just I'm just parked here, and that makes my life so much easier. I'm very thankful to be here, and I know they're happy with my presence here too. Both hands are washing each other. Mm. You know, we work in tandem uh, very well together. You know, people that are coming for beer, you know, they oh, what's this truck? And then they try me, and uh, now you can find me on TV. So we have those people coming in, and they come in and have a beer too. So it's just one of those symbiotic um, relationships now, and it, it grew into to what it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing that, that actually happened that way, and then it's just a testament of the work that you've put in. Yeah. Uh, and man, I, I definitely uh, I definitely applaud that. I, you know, people, I've spoken to people in the past who um, work in the capacity that you do, um, and that's that's a very important thing. It's just the showing up part, like the reliability. Yes. Um, people come, you know, you've proven to people that you can be here and that, yes. that'll speak volumes over anything else. It's the, it's the most important thing. Um, and in my life, uh, when it comes to work, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to friendship, loyalty and trust is the bottom line. And that's how I know, like, you know, before I got married to my wife, I asked, I asked myself, would she cheat on me during her bachelorette party? No. She wouldn't. So obviously she's the one, you know, because, you know, you can't trust everyone. And it's the same thing. I trust my staff undeniably. I don't have to call and check in at the end of the night. They don't have to call me. They just handle business. Yeah. And I, I treat every relationship I have professionally and everything that I do with, with trust. And that's that's always my bottom line. And it seems to be working out. You know, uh, I've had plenty of instances where I had an event scheduled and then something more lucrative uh, came along, and they contacted me. Hey, can you do this? It's like 500 people or whatever. And you know, sadly, I, you have to say no mm. because you you have to you have to show that you're reliable. Mm-hmm. You have to stick with your commitments, yeah. even though it might not be the best for you financially in the moment. In the long run, it will pay off if people can trust you, and that's the only reason why I'm here now. There it is. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my guest, Sheffrey Eats, for taking the time, sitting down and talking it up with me. Shouts to Barrel of Monks for housing us. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, no, and thank you to the listener for tuning in. Yes. Um, do what you got to do. All the links are going to be in the description. Get yourself some cheesecake. Pull up to the brewery. Grab a beer. Get some food. Get involved. Bruce Beats, the letter N Eats at Gmail. Send me, email, send me emails of places where I should try food at breweries i should visit and even make maybe some music recommend some music i'm gonna go listen to beans and toast i think i'm gonna throw it in the spotify on the way out of here he's awesome man you're you're gonna love him nice (laughs) nice uh you can also do the same thing through dm it's bruise beats the letter n eats at uh, on ig again man i can't say it enough i know you're a busy man um and you made the time for this this small podcast to to have a conversation with you and if there's anything i can do for you let me know i mean i had a lot of fun you know it's it's nice to uh, break away from the the everyday hustle and just kind of like you know I enjoyed this this is uh, 
this is one of the more uh, enjoyable parts of my job is the promotions and getting yes. to know more people and the networking and um, you know just putting yourself out there because that's that's what brings the people here at the end of the day. So I'm thankful for you coming out. It means a lot um, to, for you to take your time out of your day too to come here and make me part of your brand is really cool. Excellent, my people. Y'all know what it is. That was Bruce Beast and East the podcast. Peace. <laughs>